Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Supernatural George. I'm Mittens, and today we're going to be discussing Season 7, Episode 4, Defending Your Life, written by Adam Glass and directed by Robert Singer. We're beginning to explore some of the mushy bits of Season 7 now, some of the pure monster of the week to highlight Sam and Dean's emotional and interpersonal issues. And while I normally love digging into those issues, Season 7's issues in particular are just... Okay, while trying to come up with a word for it, I just sat here staring at the screen and literally let out what I would describe as a heavy sigh. So that about sums it up, I guess. This episode is not one of my favorites of the season. It basically serves to show us that Dean is not doing well, that he's burdened by intense guilt and his desperation to save Sam from whatever is happening with him, because Sam's pretty much the only thing he has left. It doesn't make for a good place from which to make decisions, as last week's episode proved to us. I do enjoy Sam showing off his courtroom skills, though even if the whole premise for this episode probably deserves the standard disclaimer when it comes to how Supernatural deals with other cultures and religious beliefs. And we get a few, he would never say that, moments that I'll get to kvetch about as we go through the episode. This one doesn't really progress much of the plot overall this season, or even their interpersonal issues, but it does exist, so we're going to talk about it as we do. And we all know Dean's sense of guilt and personal responsibility for every bad thing that ever happens is a bottomless well to explore. And yes, I did some more heavy sighing here. Okay, let's go directly to the then segment. We open with a very heavy-handed reminder that Sam is having difficulty distinguishing between what's real and what's not, his hallucinations of Lucifer, his difficulty staying connected to reality, and the fact that his hallucinations feel very real to him. Lucifer is trying to convince him that he's still in the cage, he's still in hell, and Dean pointing out the wound on Sam's hand that he stitched up himself that Sam has now been using as a reality check button. And all along, Sam is insisting that he's, quote, managing it. That brings us to last week's episode of why Sam would go off on this hunt alone, why he didn't want to even tell Dean about it, and on top of all of the issues of him having problems connecting to reality, Dean did not trust Sam's assessment of this entire case, and the thing is, if Sam had at any point brought Dean in on it, or just not told Dean at all, told him he was going off to some campground to just relax or something, Dean probably wouldn't have worried or tried to follow him and freaked out and had any of these consequences. And we see what a bad place Sam is in, what a bad place Dean is in, insisting that Amy had to be killed because she dropped a few bodies, and Sam insisting that she's Done and having explained everything that Amy explained to him, to Dean, and yet Dean still went back and killed her. Because Sam asked Dean to trust him, and nothing about Sam right now is trustworthy to Dean. Because Sam has done nothing to engender trust in him. And honestly, I don't think Dean was wrong in making that choice. He had one shot at making that choice. He'd even given her one last shot at an out. He told her in her motel room that if she she just didn't do a good job, she didn't swap her license plates even. It makes it too easy to track her. I think that he was saying, if you had just given me a reason not to follow you, it would have been over. He wouldn't have pursued her across like multiple identities and states, you know, he would have dropped it and walked away and let her be. But she made it too easy for him to follow her back and do what he did. And he decided that Sam was just that untrustworthy that he went and killed Amy because the whole thing really isn't about her. It's not really about whether she was going to kill again. It's not about her being a monster. 
it's about Dean not trusting Sam. And I don't want that to get lost in all the drama of the rest of the season. But that brings us to now. In Dearborn, Michigan, a man is running through the streets, being chased by a car that apparently isn't being driven by anybody, but that's like up on the sidewalk and chase like crazy driving. He finally makes it home to his apartment building, runs up the stairs to the ninth floor, locks himself in his apartment, convincing himself he's going to be okay. But he's breathing out cold fog, which we as viewers of Supernatural know that means there's something spooky happening here. He turns around, the car revs its engine inside his ninth floor apartment, runs him down and splatters him against the wall just as we get the splatter of a title card. This was, however, a weird enough case to bring Sam and Dean to town, and they show up to the crime scene in their fed suits, and as they get out of the car, we hear a noise as they focus in on Sam, and he looks distressed, so we know he's seeing Lucifer, even if they don't show us him seeing Lucifer, because he squeezes the scar on his hand, and we know that's the Lucifer go away button. So he's definitely not holding on well here, reminding us that Dean is very correct not to trust Sam's judgment. Dean comments how weird it feels to be working just a regular job instead of Leviathan mess or catastrophic nightmare shit. Dean says to Sam, how are you? You seem good. And Sam agrees, I am, for me, for various functions of, I just had to squeeze my hand to make Lucifer stop talking to me again. And Sam bothers to stop and thank Dean again for letting Amy go because it was the right thing to do. And of course, that just drives Dean's guilt into overdrive. But we also saw that from the moment he did that, he began feeling guilty about it and knows that Sam is right about that, even if he can't trust Sam's judgment in any other way. Dee knows he did the wrong thing there, and he now feels doubly guilty about it as he's walking into this case. The police cannot figure out why it looks like a guy on the 10th floor was killed by a car running him over. Sam, of course, finds EMF, but that doesn't explain why a ghost took on the form of a car. Sam finds some weird red dirt on the ground, and Dean finds a 10-year chip from AA, 10 years sober. Sam decides that Dean should go check out the AA meeting, see if anyone knew the guy, and Sam himself was going to go check out a florist where the guy had been spending $50 a month every month for years. Dean refuses to go to the AA meeting, claims it gives him the jeebs, which Dean is a low-key alcoholic, so yeah, he doesn't want to go to an AA meeting. Sam says, go hit on the florist, and takes the AA meeting himself. Sam talked with his sponsor, and she didn't know what had made him almost slip after 10 years of sobriety, but she met him up at Neil's Tavern, where he was an inch away from taking a drink, and talked him off the ledge. That's the last time she saw him. At the florist, Dean is extremely professional with the woman who runs the place, doesn't hit on her at all, tells her that Mr. Hammond is dead, and she's like, oh, that makes sense, then, why he paid three years in advance to keep the deliveries going, just a couple days ago, right before he died. It turns out that the man had been sending those flowers every month to the grave of a 10-year-old girl who he'd apparently accidentally backed over. The police ruled it an accident, but he obviously held a lot of guilt over it. And as Dean's sitting there drinking a beer, he says kind of makes you wonder if he wasn't drunk when he ran her over. And Sam just kind of eyes Dean like, yeah, you're one to talk. Sam's already getting judgmental of Dean's alcohol intake lately, and it's only going to get worse throughout season seven. They're trying to start early, but they don't really hit hit on that hard enough, just how much Dean starts drinking here. Sam wants to go right back out, dig up the girl, and burn her bones because 
she must be what's haunting this guy. What came back and took vengeance on him, running her him down just like she was run down. As Dean is drinking a Schultz beer, the beer of debts and death, paying off cosmic debts like this. Hmm, I wonder if that's tied into his guilt that will be on display in this episode. As they burn her bones, across town a man is being chased by a dog. Funny enough, they run directly past McOwen's pub, which was the scene in that haunted kidney episode in season six. That was the pub where everybody who worked at the factory met, and the guy who had the real doll lived directly above it. This guy doesn't go in there, though. He runs a little bit further to a diner, runs inside, locks the door, and just when he thinks he's safe, the dog appears at the glass door, barking and yapping and scratching and jumping, and the guy is freaking terrified. He runs to the bathroom and locks himself in there. Meanwhile, everybody else in the restaurant thinks he's nuts because they cannot see the dog. Once inside the men's room, though, he calls 911 and asks for help because he's being chased by an attack dog. As he's on the phone, though, he looks in the mirror and sees that the dog is in the bathroom with him. He freaks out. The dog attacks. Blood splatter. All as the 911 operator is like, sir, I'm sorry, he can't come to the phone anymore. Dean is exhausted when he and Sam get back to their motel room in the morning. And Sam's got a cup of coffee and the newspaper, and he's reading an article about the man who was just murdered by the dog. And Dean just clearly needs a nap. (laughs) But as Sam reads the article, he sees the man had a, quote, history with dogs. He apparently raised dogs for dog fighting. They start discussing, well, do dogs even have ghosts? Could it be a ghost dog trying to get revenge from beyond the grave cars don't have ghosts either and yet one ran him down apparently but dean judges this to perhaps be a justified death like maybe this guy had it coming for running a dog fighting ring and sam's like well no i don't think so because This guy not only turned his whole life around, he started volunteering at an animal shelter and got really, really into it long after he finished serving his sentence and now devotes all his time and efforts to raising money to support the dog shelter. Dean gets up and is about to stretch and lie down and take a well-deserved rest But Sam's like, no, we're going to suit up. We're going to go down and check out the body. We're going to investigate this case. At the coroner's, Sam finds red dirt under the guy's nails and on his shoes, just like was found at the first guy's apartment. They find a place nearby that has red dirt. It's an apple farm. Whatever's in the dirt makes great apples. And Dean says, wow, I would really care about that if I ate apples. And it's like... Dean would never say that ever. Maybe he's not Mr. Fresh Produce Guy, but he is Mr. Pie Guy, including Apple. I think Dean appreciates a good apple as much as anybody else, if for no other reason than it makes a good pie. Just as they get to where this farm is, and Dean's complaining that it's going to take him forever to search a few hundred acres of it, a man comes running out into the street in front of their car and he has to slam on the brakes. They ask the guy if he needs help, and he looks incredibly shaken. He keeps glancing back at this farm, and they volunteer to bring him back to town. They bring him back to their motel room, and he still looks like he can barely process what's happened to him, but they get him to open up. The very confusing explanation eventually reveals that he'd killed somebody in 1981 while holding up a liquor store, And he's just gotten out of prison. And yet he was just put on trial again and sentenced to death for it. Even though he's already served like 30 years in prison. He has no idea how to explain what this trial was. One minute he was at the bar and the next minute he was in the courtroom. Apparently this courtroom was at the apple farm in a barn and everything was crazy. But the bar he was at before he was taken to this barn was Neil's Tavern, the same place that the guy who got run over had gone. 
Sam is getting really excited about all this information. This man does not remember the name of the judge, but he remembers there being weird symbols. Sam hands him paper, tells him to draw some. Dean pulls him aside. Dean is apparently done working on this case. His black and white case turned to mud because the people who are getting killed kind of deserve it in his mind. A guy who ran dogfights, someone who backed over a child when he was drunk, a murderer. And Dean is having a hard time justifying that these people don't deserve these fates. He said he's siding with the ghosts on this one. Sam points out that we've shot people, Dean, way more than this guy did. And Dean's like, yeah, and when those ghosts come calling, they've got a compelling case. I'd side with them. And that's kind of Dean's mindset. He knows what he's done. He accepts it. He fully expects to be returned to hell when he dies. He knows he's not a great person. He's done terrible things. The ghosts who are out there want vengeance. Amy's son when he left after killing her, said, the only person I'm going to kill is you. And Dean's like, fine, look me up in a few years and, uh, you know, I'll let you have your due. But he's just got no compelling reason to hang on here. And that's just terrifying. Dean tells Sam that he'll go check out that bar. And Sam's like, to work or to drink? And Dean's like, I haven't decided. Dean's feeling just as crappy and just as undeserving of being let off for his crimes as any of these other people. Right there, that tells you just how guilty he is about Amy's death. He is going through it, and apparently that can never be good enough for Sam. Sam's willing to excuse all of these other people because they turned their lives around or made changes or were at least outwardly repentant And Dean is more than that later on, but Sam still bears a grudge against him. It's like nothing Dean ever does can be good enough to earn forgiveness from Sam. And it's like, what's the point even if Sam won't forgive him? So he's just going to keep burying that and living with it and just letting that guilt ferment in him. Back up in the motel room, Sam tells the man that he needs him to come back out to the farm with him to help him find that barn. And the man is like, oh, no, I'm not leaving this room. They're out there. The people I killed, they're trying to get their revenge on me. Sam tries to convince him that he'll be safer with Sam than alone. And the man still insists, no. Sam puts a salt circle down on the ground around a chair and tells the guy to stay inside the circle because it will protect you until I get back. He turns on the TV for the guy. The guy is deeply suspicious of all of this, but Sam encourages him to just stay put. Over at Nick's Tavern, Dean walks past an incredibly conspicuous L soul sign on the wall, meaning that something here is not natural, not completely forthcoming, honest, and forthright. As he does, a man bumps into him, who we may later recognize as Osiris, and as Dean turns and gives him a sarcastic, excuse me, there's a Schultz beer sign behind him, the sign of death and debt. Dean orders a scotch and soda, then changes his order to just a straight double scotch from the very pretty bartender who he politely flirts with. Oh, I know why everybody comes here, because everybody involved in the case he's working does. But Dean immediately asks her if she works the night shift. She thinks he's still flirting, and he said, no, I just need to ask you a few questions. Believe it or not, I'm a cop. She says she believes it. He looks like he's seen some crap, and Dean's like, yeah, you don't know the half of it, lady. She says she was off all week, but the guy who was working will be back tomorrow. So Dean made a pointless trip to this bar. And instead, he just orders another double. And she's like, a two quick doubles? It must be your love life or your job. You want, you want to talk about it? She turns it around and flirts with him, introduces herself as Mia, and she tells him she's a captive shrink with unlimited alcohol 
She wants him to open up to her and talk. She pours Dean yet another drink and then pours one for herself. She's curious about him. And now she really is flirting with him. I get curious about people on occasion. Like, you're special. I'm going to talk to you. I'm attracted to you, sir. Because it's Jensen Ackles who wouldn't be. Dean tells her his problem is a work thing, actually. He's trying to frame what happened with Sam and Amy as a work thing. Because to him, that's how he's looking at it. This just gives us a window into Dean's mind here and how he would explain this to a complete normie who doesn't get the supernatural. And he's like, you ever do something behind somebody's back because you had to. She understands that he feels bad about it. And she's like, well, if you had to do it, don't feel guilty about it. Dean taps his glass for another shot. And she advises him to slow his roll because she's off in an hour and she wants him to meet up with her after her shift. She pours him a little drink, though, and then Dean's like, yeah, I think I'll switch to beer, accepting her offer of meeting up after her shift. So Dean did not pick her up. She picked him up. He wasn't flirting with her. She was flirting with him. I just need to make that clear that Dean is not just being a horn dog here. And all the while, the man in the ball cap who plowed into Dean when he first walked in is just sitting there listening to their conversation. Meanwhile, Sam has driven out and found that barn. He finds some of that red dirt and then his phone rings. It's Bobby in a storage unit looking up information about the markings that Sam was researching. They identify the god Osiris. From the Egyptian Book of the Dead, Osiris weighs the human heart, apparently. If he finds more than a feather's worth of guilt, you're done. Judge, jury, and executioner. Bobby tells Sam that Osiris seems to just pop up at random, does his little judgment act, and then disappears again. And he says, you know what that means, right? And Sam's like, means we gotta find him before he disappears again. And Bobby's like, no, idiot. It means you've got to get out of Dodge. If he hones in on people who feel guilty, who do you think he's going to go for? And Sam realizes, oh shit, he's going to go right after Dean. Dean feels guilty about everything. So Bobby and Sam both recognize that Dean just internalizes guilt. He blames himself for everything. Everything is always his fault. Nobody else's. And neither Bobby nor Sam know about Amy yet. That's just like the tip of the iceberg on Dean's guilt. Outside Neil's tavern, Dean is trying to give himself a pep talk about meeting up with Mia, trying to convince himself that this is going to be an easy thing for him to do. He can just go with her and do his Dean Winchester thing and... You don't even have to do any work. She wants you, Dean. But Dean cannot believe it. You know, that's how guilty he's feeling. He needs to pep talk himself into having sex, apparently. Even with a beautiful woman who spent a lot of time flirting with him and wants to go home with him. Dean steps just off camera as his phone rings and he pulls it out of his pocket. And we only see it happen in shadow against the wall. He doesn't even get out a hello when he answers the phone before somebody reaches out behind him and grabs him and they disappear and he drops his phone. We see Sam leaving the barn finally, leaving his third message for Dean. He's like, you better not be loaded. Like, you better not be ignoring the phone because you're drunk. And it's like, Sam, way to be judgy to a guy who's already feeling guilty and has now been kidnapped by the god. As soon as Sam hangs up, his phone rings again, and it's not Dean calling, obviously. It's Mia. She found his phone on the ground and picked it up. She's been standing there for 10 minutes listening to it ring, waiting for Dean, who seems to have stood her up. Is this Dean's phone? And then Sam realizes, oh shit, Dean's been taken. So Sam drives back to Neil's tavern to claim his phone and figure out what's going on there. And 
back at their motel room, they've all forgotten about the poor guy sitting in the salt circle waiting for Sam to figure out what's what. He's just sitting there watching TV until the TV goes all snow and all the lights start flickering. Poor man freaks out, calls out for Sam, but of course Sam's not around to help. Should have gone with Sam. He starts breathing out cold breaths of air, stands up from the chair, panics, breaks the salt circle, and at that point he's pretty much doomed. He tries to make a run for it, but runs into the couple that he killed. He tries to run back to the motel room, thinking he might be safety there, and they appear there. The dude pulls out a gun and shoots him dead, right there in the hallway outside the motel room. Meanwhile, Sam's meeting up with Mia, who gives him Dean's phone. She hopes Dean's all right, and don't we all? She points out where she found the phone, and Sam finds a bunch of that red dirt there. So, of course, he just turns around and drives right back to that barn. He has no idea there's a dead guy in the hall outside his motel room. But Sam arrives to the barn armed for fighting ghosts. Salt shotgun and everything. Except the barn looks nothing like it did the last time he'd been there. Now there's like a golden Egyptian throne and massive statues. And Dean is chained to a chair awaiting his trial. Dean recognizes Osiris from the bar. But Osiris had been targeting Dean. Get a couple drinks in you and the guilt comes pouring out. But Osiris also knows that Sam is there. He knows exactly who Sam is and invites him to come in out of the shadows. Dean's surprised. Osiris is pleased that Sam figured out who he was and everything and Dean still doesn't know. So Sam tells him it's Osiris, an Egyptian god. Osiris tries to shoo Sam away like, okay, your part in this is done. Go away now. I have to deal with Dean. Sam insists that if anyone should be on trial, it's him and not Dean. And when Osiris says, no, that's not your choice to make, Sam insists that Dean then must have a right to an attorney. And he offers to defend Dean. And Osiris thinks this is amusing. Osiris says he could call an endless list of witnesses. And Sam objects to that, insisting that this is not fair. And Osiris is like, fair? What the hell's fair got to do with any of it? Osiris says he will only call three witnesses. And Sam objects to that, too, on the grounds that witnesses cannot be called without prior notice. Dean's like, oh, good one. Sam's like, yeah, I saw that one on The Good Wife. <laughs> so Sam, no that's about Sam's level of law understanding. Osiris tells Sam to stop objecting or he'll find Sam in contempt which means I will kill you. So Sam stops objecting. The first witness that Osiris calls is Joe Harvell. And Sam and Dean are both shocked to see her. They remember her dying, sacrificing her life to give them a shot at killing Lucifer in what turned out to be a completely pointless waste because the weapon that they had to kill Lucifer couldn't work. And Dean's been bearing guilt about that and her death and Ellen's death for years now. Osiris asks her what her relationship is to Dean Winchester. And she answers, we work together. And we see flashbacks to the very first time they ever met when she put the gun to Dean's back and he turned around and pulled it out of her hands and she punched him in the face. She was a suitable formidable opponent to Dean. Osiris asks if it's true she admired him, and she tries to insist, well, as a hunter, but as a guy, he was kind of a jerk. Osiris basically leads her into the question, was it hard working with him, considering your feelings? Like implying that she had romantic feelings for Dean. Joe tries to insist that, no, it was not hard working with him. They show us clips of her first case. We saw her work with Dean, with H.H. H. Holmes, where she was taken prisoner. And Dean learned more about her and her relationship with her father and why she wants to be a hunter because of him. 
and how he helped save her. And Joe insists it wasn't like that. You know, it wasn't a romantic thing. Even though Osiris is like, you would have followed him into any battle. And she literally did die for him. That's too much for Dean to take. He's like, you're a piece of work. You know that? Putting words in her mouth. And Osiris reaches a hand up and Dean is silenced. He can't speak. Osiris tells Sam to keep his client under control or Osiris will remove his tongue and then offers the floor to Sam to interrogate the witness. To counter Osiris's claim that Joe only wanted to be a hunter and would only have done the things she did because of Dean, because she was following Dean into that, Sam counters with the reminder about why she really got into hunting, because her father was a hunter and she was trying to honor his legacy by becoming one herself. But as soon as Joe confirms that Sam was 100% right and the only reason she wanted to be a hunter was because of her dad and it had nothing to do with Dean, even if Dean felt guilty that he lured Joe into hunting somehow, she tries to lean around and tell Dean directly, I don't blame you for any of this. This is not on you. Osiris waves a hand and disappears her before she can say it, though. And for just a moment, Dean looks hopeful, like, wow, okay, maybe I shouldn't feel guilty about her death. But of course, there's more witnesses to come. Osiris then takes a break, allows Sam and Dean to, quote, strategize for a moment, and then leans in and looks right at Dean, and then I'll call my next witness, like, How many times are you going to play this roulette game with witnesses here to point at your guilt directly? Sam looks at Dean and is like, okay, so who's the next witness? He looked at you like you should know. And Dean's like, I haven't got a clue. Well, how am I supposed to know? This whole thing's ridiculous. And in order to prove that, Osiris then immediately calls the next witness, Sam Winchester. And yes, this is getting one step closer to Dean's most current bout of guilt about Amy, but it's also about Sam and his guilty feelings of not trusting Sam. He feels guilty about that. But, you know, Sam's still not trustworthy. I mean, Dean also probably feels guilty about pretty much like 95% of Sam's life turning out the way it did. He couldn't save him. He couldn't prevent any of the horror that's come into their lives. His job was to take care of Sammy. And Dean feels like he's failed that every single day of his life. Osiris starts by asking if this is how Sam expected his life to turn out. And Sam's like, oh, yeah, well, the details are a little bit different. And it's like, okay, well, understatement of the century. (laughs) Osiris brings up Jess And the fact that Sam was going to be a real lawyer. And Sam's like, yeah, but that was a long time ago. And he seems genuinely like, yeah, that's so far in the past, it doesn't even hurt anymore. And Osiris then points at Dean and is like, well, it would have been fine until he showed up and dragged you back into the family business, into the hunting life. We see flashbacks to the pilot episode of Dean showing back up in his life, dragging him off on that hunt to find John, him kissing Jess goodbye for the last time, coming home and finding her burning on the ceiling. But Sam understands that it's complicated. Osiris is trying to blame all of the events of the entire series, essentially, on Dean. If Dean had just left Sam alone, Sam would never have had to endure any of this because that's kind of how Dean's guilt works. He's responsible for every awful thing that's happened in Sam's life. Sam says, well, that wasn't Dean's fault that any of those terrible things. And Osiris is like, yeah, but then what about everything that came after that? All the death and the blood and hanging on by a thread. None of that's on Dean directly implying that Sam does put some of that on Dean, basically showing every time that Sam has lashed out at Dean physically or otherwise, while Dean looks at a long string of flashback memories of people who have died because of them, including Joe, but also Pamela, 
John, strangely enough, his grave from the Jin episode in season two that didn't even really exist, but just all the grief and guilt culminating in Dean sobbing as he confessed to Sam about torturing souls in hell. So talk about a load of guilt. And there's a complete list of all the episodes referenced in Dean's flashbacks on the Super Wiki. And in the transcript, there's a brief description of each flashback. So you can see in context the kind of load of guilt that Dean just carries in him all the time. Because, yeah, we can't forget about Amy and his guilt over that most recent transgression that he has been feeling horrifically guilty about. But this goes so far back. His whole life is like one long guilt train of things he's taken on himself. And his time in hell is not insignificant. And Osiris, it doesn't feel like, is pulling this from Dean's guilt, but from Sam's. When he says, well, don't you think your brother pulled you back into this mess because he'd rather damn you with him than be alone? And Sam has accused Dean of that a few times through the series. You just couldn't face this alone. I mean, that's what Sam tells him in the pilot episode. It's like, you could do this by yourself. And Dean's like, yeah, but I don't want to. And it's almost like Sam internalized that and just thinks that Dean just can't do anything alone because he doesn't want to go through all these problems by himself. He needs Sam to prop him up somehow. That is blatantly not true. And Sam in this moment recognizes that and understands that. But man, there are times when he will throw those words in Dean's face. So he should hardly be surprised that Dean has those sorts of thoughts and feelings about himself in the darkest, most secret guilt in his brain. It takes Sam way too long to say no, looking over at Dean, seeing how this is affecting Dean, that it's dragging Dean down into the guilt that he's already so close to every moment of his waking life. Sam finally says no, One way or another, I would have gotten dragged back in, regardless of what Dean did. Because yes, the cosmos wanted Sam and Dean to be on this mission. The demons would have just kept killing people until Sam got back on the track they wanted him on. You know, Dean was the convenient excuse for it. But one way or another, the story would have gotten told because Chuck would have kept arranging things to happen to pull him back in. Yes, they had absolute free will, but there's only so much a person can take before they will do the thing that you're trying to force them to do. Osiris, though, says, I believe you. If it was about convincing me, I would say Dean's free. But it's not about convincing me. Sam is shocked and horrified about this. It's about convincing Dean. It's about measuring Dean's guilt. And unless you can convince Dean to let go of this guilt, he's going to be guilty, and I'm going to judge him so. Sam, though, sees this as a potential ray of hope. If Dean believes he's innocent, then he is. And Osiris is like, yes, if, and that is a big if. Good luck convincing this guy to feel not guilty. Osiris insists that people want to be judged because when their hearts are heavy, real punishment is a mercy. Like, Dean feels like he deserves a punishment. And I mean, that should have been enough for Sam to be able to forgive him eventually about Amy because of all of this. But no, it still gets dragged out and still gets used to beat Dean up yet again because this wasn't enough beating up. Dean beating up himself. No, Sam has to take a turn, too. And it's just like, how much more does the narrative have to flog Dean before the narrative can forgive him for anything at all? Sam turns it around, however, and says, I want to call Dean to the stand. Osiris is like, really? But he allows it. Osiris snaps his fingers and Dean appears in the witness chair, free of his chains. Sam presents facts. 
When you came and got me, did you know Jess had died or any of it? Did you know any of this would happen? Dean's like, of course not. Sam's like, well, how could you have known? Are you psychic? Osiris looks at Dean like, answer please. Dean is like, uh, no, no, I'm not psychic. Of course not. And just a little quick side note to say that the original concept of Dean Winchester was that he would be the one with the psychic powers. And that's why he needs Sam's help figuring all this stuff out that's happening to him. So just one iteration, Dean was supposed to have some sort of psychic abilities at some point, but due to whatever reasons that got shifted onto Sam. I know I've talked about that in the distant past in this podcast, season one, season two sometime. But Dean really doesn't have any psychic abilities. Dean claims that, no, he does not feel guilty about it when you put it in that context. And Sam prods, what about Joe? Did you kill her? Dean's confused by this line of questioning. He's like, uh, no. Sam says, is it true that you don't feel guilty about her? You're just sad she's dead? And again, Dean takes this into consideration. He's like, actually, maybe, yeah. He just regrets that she died, not that he's guilty about it. Osiris interrupts to praise Sam's style and how he's handling this. It's like very engaging. Sam pushes on, though, asking Dean if any of this feels like it's really on you. And Dean's like, uh, not really, no. Sam's like, okay, well then, is your heart heavy with guilt? Or is it just plain heavy and not Osiris's business? And Dean says, yeah, the second thing. He's endured a lot of tragedy. And very little of it was literally of his own making. Circumstances around his life have just sucked. But even though this is all very convincing and Dean said all the right things, it's not just about what Dean says. It's about what's in his heart. And just saying these things doesn't actually erase his feelings of guilt. Osiris then leans over to Dean and is like, I'm feeling generous about this because of this display that has entertained me. Dean, I'm going to ask you, do you want me to call my last witness? This is going to be like the coup de grace witness. And the thing that flashes through Dean's mind is watching Amy die in last week's episode. He knows that she will come right up to him and give him all the reason in the world to feel guilty because he's been feeling guilty about it since three seconds after he did it. He flashes back to Sam at the beginning of this episode saying letting her go was the right thing to do and then pulling the knife out of her chest. Dean knows that Sam will find out he's not so much protecting himself here as protecting Sam by saying, no, I've had enough, and just accepting his fate. He's letting his guilt decide his fate because there he knows there is no way to avoid facing the guilt he feels over what he did to Amy. That is going to damn him no matter what Sam says about any of those past things. Even torturing souls in hell doesn't hold a candle to the guilt he feels over Amy. Because he didn't trust Sam. He couldn't trust Sam. He knew it was wrong the minute he did it, and he can't take it back. Guilt. And the very least he can do is spare Sam from knowing what he did. Sam tries to argue with Dean's choice to just end it. Sam's like, he's giving us more time. We could, we could make another argument. We could have one more witness to interview. This could work in your favor, Dean. And Dean's like, nope, nope, it's not going to make a difference. Osiris finds Dean guilty in his heart and sentences him to die. Tells him to get his affairs in order, quickly. When they get back to their hotel, they find police cars and the coroner wheeling out the body of that man that Sam had been trying to protect that he'd completely forgotten about in all the hullabaloo of trying to save Dean. 
but this only convinces Dean that no matter what, Osiris will find a way to get to him. He's batting a thousand. All of his doomed people have been dead within a day. Sam insists they're going to find a way to save Dean. But of course, Dean's guilt is enough to make him feel like he deserves this. Just like all those people he said earlier were ruining his sense of the case being black and white, easy to decide. Like, well, they're all guilty of something. Maybe they deserve this punishment. Dean kind of feels that, yeah, I probably do deserve this. All through the next day, we get a little montage of Sam and Dean both milling around the apartment, making phone calls, looking on the laptop, looking for any information they can on how Dean might be able to get out of this. When Bobby finally calls back, he's in the car driving with a bunch of books. He's apparently got a way to maybe stop Osiris. The cure that Bobby found is not permanent, but it should last hundreds of years. More than enough time for a human lifetime. Leave him up to some other hunter in the far distant future to deal with. You have to stab him with a ram's horn. Sam makes the comment, Where am I going to find a ram's horn in Dearborn? And apparently, there is a restaurant chain in and around that part of Michigan called the Ram's Horn. So apparently that was some sort of local joke for folks in that area. Anyway... Bobby advises them to make sure it's sharp because he's not going to let you stab him twice. So Sam goes into search mode. Where can I find a ram's horn anywhere around here? And Dean is already sort of resigned to his fate. Sam discovers that ram's horns are used in the Jewish faith. They blow them once a year. And Dean's like, okay, well, where are you going to find one this time of night? Sam's like, temple? Dean's like, oh, you're going to steal from the temple? Great. Sam's like, you're on death row, Dean. We gotta do something to save you. Sam asks Dean for the keys to the car to go get the shofar. And Dean is just, like, not engaging. He's like, this thing's gonna sick Joe after me. You know that, don't you? Sam tells Dean, you're a hunter. You know how to deal with ghosts. But he hands over the keys and then says to Sam, so are you suggesting I kill her again? Like, he he does legitimately feel guilty for her death, and that frustrates Sam. He just, like, sort of rolls his eyes, doesn't even look back at Dean, and insists that he didn't kill her in the first place, and then leaves to go get that ram's horn. But as resigned to his fate as Dean seems, he unzips his bag and actually sets up a protective ring of salt around himself. So even though he believes he might deserve death and he doesn't want to have to face this guilt that he feels, he's still going to fight. He's not just going to roll over and let it happen. And in contrast to the tiny little canister of salt that Sam sprinkled around the other guy in haste, Dean gets out the great big can of salt, lays down a real thick line. But he'd apparently known that Joe was already there. He'd been keeping that from Sam, along with everything else he was keeping from Sam in this episode. As soon as he completes the salt circle, he tells Joe, you can come out now. This is how he knew that Joe was going to be the one to do him in. Not Amy, even if she's the big dark secret he's keeping now. Joe is where he feels real guilt. Meanwhile, Sam breaks into a local temple finds his shofar in an office when the lights come on behind him and a rabbi has caught him. He's like, I'm guessing you're not here for bar mitzvah lessons. And Sam awkwardly has to explain what the hell he's doing there. Meanwhile, back at Neil's tavern, the bartender that was supposed to meet up with Dean the previous night is now talking with a woman. And Osiris is sitting across the bar having a drink, just listening to people's guilt pour out. He's already moved on to his next victim. Back in the motel room, Dean can't even look at Joe as she comes around and tells him, you know, I'd never do this. I don't blame you for any of this. She tells Dean that he deserved better. And Dean's like, no, you did. Whatever Sam told the rabbi obviously worked because he's speeding back with that shofar. 
Back at the motel, Joe tells Dean that her life was good. Really? Dean tries to convince her that Osiris was right about him, and she insists that he wasn't. He tells her that she was just a kid. Her and Sam. And hunters were never kids. I know, because I wasn't. And Joe's like, that's not your fault. That we had our childhoods and our young lives taken from us. You didn't do that to us. And Dean has bought into that concept that he only dragged Sam into it because he didn't want to be alone. Sam has in the past held that against Dean, and he will in the future hold that against Dean, and it's just gross. It's like forcing Dean to buy into his own guilt over things that are in no way his con- under his control or his fault. Dean said the right thing to do would have been to send her ass back to her mom. Well, the thing is, her mom died in that same fireball, but she's like, I would have liked to seen you try. Like, she would have made her own choices anyway. Joe then says, Osiris was right about one thing. Dean jokes, oh, that massive crush on me. She's like, shut up. It's nice that they can be sweet about this, but to Dean, it's heartbreaking. Like, maybe there would have, could have been something there if I hadn't gotten her killed. Or maybe my, my whole life is just that poisonous to other people that it would have been terrible. It's guilty in both directions for him. And Joe's like, no, no, that's not it. It's that you carry so much crap that you shouldn't have to. That's not on you. You should not internalize all this crap. It is not your fault. All this gets a lot clearer when you're dead. And then Dean's like, yeah, well, then you should be able to see that I'm 90% crap. And if I get rid of all that, then what then? Who am I without all that crap? Self-deprecating, just buying into his own facade, Dean Winchester. But Joe is sad by that. She's like, you really want to die not knowing what you could be without all of that baggage. Do you really? Like, this breaks her heart that Dean doesn't even want to live for himself. But she can't resist Osiris's compulsion any longer. She goes over to the stove, turns on all the gas burners, and just lets the room fill with gas. She died in an explosion, so she has to kill Dean with one, as if that's not just as traumatic to her as it is to him. And we get flashbacks to exactly how she died. Dean got to kiss her just once before they made a run for it, and She died before the explosion even happened. It was Ellen who triggered the explosion. But of course, Dean doesn't know that. He just knows that there was an explosion. Meanwhile, back at Neil's, the woman the bartender was talking to leaves. And just like Dean, Osiris is waiting outside for her. Back in the motel, Joe walks right up to the salt circle and is like, Come on, Dean, I used to hunt ghosts. I know all the tricks. The windows frost over. Dean's breath goes cold. The window shatters, and a gust of wind blows the salt line away. She appears right behind him and is like, he's making me do this. Dean assures her that it's okay. He understands. He knows. Back at Neil's, the woman has found her car keys and is about to get in her car when Osiris grabs her and covers her mouth. We cut back and forth between Dean and Joe. She reaches into his coat pocket and pulls out his lighter. We get cutscenes even back to Abandon All Hope, where Joe died, where her mother's placing the trigger in Joe's hand, like this was going to be her call when to push the button. This is her call now when to push the button on Dean. Sam arrives at Neil's tavern just in time before Osiris can disappear with this woman. And just walks up to him and stabs him in the back with the ram's horn. And his eyes glow blue and he falls to the ground in whatever state of temporary and or permanent death he may have achieved. But that has freed Joe from the compulsion to follow Osiris's orders. She shuts the lighter. The room's still filled with gas, but she's not going to be the one to kill Dean with it. 
She drops the lighter to the floor and touches Dean's face and then disappears. And Dean looks around, startled and confused, but, oh my God, Sam must have saved him. Later that day, Sam and Dean are out in nature by a riverbank, having a couple of beers. Again, Schultz beer, the beer of debt and death, because now Dean feels guilty and he knows he would be damned in his own heart. And now he just has one more thing to throw on the pile of Sam saving his ass, which doesn't make him feel any better at all about Amy, like Sam was competent and did this case for real and fought in my corner despite everything I did to not deserve it. And Sam's asking him how Joe seemed, like, did she seem okay? Dean even says that maybe she seems a little bit happier than regular Joe did. Like, she's relieved of those burdens in her heart. Dean asks Sam where the hell that came from, though, volunteering to defend him. Sam's like, well, he was going to kick me out otherwise. He wanted to be there for Dean, which, very noble of him. Dean compliments him and says, in another life, you would have made a pretty good lawyer. Except he uses the word scuzzbag. <laughs> Sam's like, well, I'm 0 for 1. Like, I lost my first court case ever. Dean's like, well, it's not your fault. It's like, yeah, one more thing to lump on Dean. Big pile of guilt that Dean is responsible for. But he tells Sam that he was convincing. Sam can't control his own curiosity and asks who that final witness was going to be. And Dean lies again and says, no idea that it could be just about anybody dead that they know. And they know a lot of dead people. Dean has one more question, though. I get why he put me on trial. I've got guilt coming out of my pores. But how did you get a pass? And it almost harkens back to season four when Dean's like, how come you didn't get the ghost sickness? Because there's some deeper key here. Why didn't Sam come under Osiris's judgment the same way? They've lived very similar lives. And Sam admits that he just doesn't feel guilty anymore. Dean questions, like, how the hell did you manage that one? Sam's like, hell, it's not rational. I spent a lot of time feeling like crap for a lot of things. But having to face hell memories... I kind of feel like I was punished and that that was enough and that maybe I've got a fresh slate now. I've done a lot of crappy things. I mean, you'd think Sam would bear even a skosh of guilt for some of the things he was directly responsible for that Dean kind of feels like maybe he should feel guilty about doing these horrific things to me personally. Like, Oh, choosing Ruby over him and lying to him for a year and drinking demon blood and lying about that and starting the apocalypse and freeing Lucifer. Like, maybe, maybe bear this tiny, tiny bit of guilt because his choices led directly to those things. Dean's choices didn't lead directly to Joe dying. The only thing that Dean's choices led directly to was Amy's death in the previous episode. And yes, it has been long established now that he felt plenty guilty about that. Sam admits that he's still got baggage, obviously. Sometimes he sees Lucifer when he's brushing his teeth, but he feels good. He feels better than he has in a long time. And they get in the car and drive off, and that is where the episode ends. Having resolved nothing about Amy's death other than the fact that Dean feels profoundly guilty about it and is trying to keep it from Sam, not because he thinks Sam will react poorly to Amy's death, but because Dean feels guilty about it. Dean feels guilty about pretty much everything that's ever happened, and he's not going to get to unburden himself of this guilt for a long time to come, actually. He's just going to keep moving forward because what else is he supposed to do? Even as the world burns down around him yet again, he's just going to keep pushing through it. He never gets a break. He never gets to rest. There's always another case. 
There's always another monster. There's always another horror. And there's always something more to throw on his pile of guilt to carry around with him like the world's unluckiest pack mule. Because that's who Dean Winchester is as a person. And that's basically what this episode was about. It progressed absolutely nothing else about the plot of this season. Sam only had one real moment of checking out because of hallucifering in this episode, and Dean did get to see Sam being completely grounded, staying on point through most of this episode, and pushing through it competently. And I think this only adds to his feelings of guilt and doubt over his choice to kill Amy. Maybe Sam was really right, you know? Like, Self-doubt here is attacking him from a different angle now, and that's only making the guilt worse for him. But he can't take it back. He can't lay it down and move forward. He wasn't entirely unjustified in killing her. She did kill people. He did judge her for it, no matter what good things she'd done in her past, and what good things she claimed to want to continue doing in the future. And now... He has to find a way to live with it. So he just throws it on the guilt pile and keeps pushing forward. If Sam can do it, maybe he can too. And yet, Sam possibly could have saved the other man in this episode. But he couldn't stop long enough to give the guy reassurance or information he would need to agree to go with Sam. That may have enabled Sam to save him. Yes, it was that other man's choice, and yes, Sam was too busy running down leads on the case, and then later completely distracted trying to save Dean's life, but that doesn't excuse the fact that Sam also completely forgot the man even existed or was waiting there at their motel room for them, despite the fact that hours and hours had passed before they returned, like... Was the guy supposed to spend the entire night just sitting in a salt circle? It's like Sam shrugged and realized he was only one person who couldn't be in two places at once, couldn't save everyone, made Dean his priority, and refused to accept the blame or the guilt for the other man's death at all. He was doing his best, which is true, and it's the mindset he's trying to help Dean accept in the court case. He's setting a good example for Dean, except Dean is the only person for whom Sam just rejects that attitude of forgiveness for. Like, Sam could give this grace to himself, to all the other victims of Osiris in this episode, but as soon as he feels wronged by Dean, it becomes an unforgivable offense for which no rationale or justification or apology can be enough, which drives Sam to walk away, despite his hallucifering, and the fact that he's been relying on Dean for reality checks. And I honestly just hate that for Sam. I hate that for Dean. And I hate that for all of us, because it's one of the foundations of season seven. But this is why Osiris targeted Dean and had no interest in Sam, because Sam just doesn't internalize guilt the same way. At least not right now. He will at some points in the narrative, but conveniently only when he can turn it back around on Dean. Or maybe it's just only when he's the object of the plot, like during the trials in season 8 when he confesses to feeling impure since he was a kid and really gets back into feeling his demon blood transgressions and feels like he can atone and be purified through his own self-sacrifice. And it's funny how being put through the ringer of Chuck's story drives both Sam and Dean in turns to take this sort of nihilistic self-flagellation over the course of the series. That is, after all, Chuck's grand narrative. And if that's not bad enough, next week brings back everyone's favorite writing team of Brad Buckner and Eugenie Ross Lemming, affectionately known as Buck Lemming. In fact, they are everybody's least favorite writing team, but, you know, they're back. Well, 
<laughs> this episode isn't actually their worst, so we've got that going for us. In Season 7, Episode 5, Shut Up, Dr. Phil. And if nothing else, we get Spike and Cordelia telling us all about it. Which, you know, hey, bonus. I don't know what else to say about this one. It's just guilt. That's it. I feel guilty talking about it anymore. So we're going to move on with life. And until next week, you can find me on Tumblr at MittensMorgul or at SP and George. Or you can find me on Discord and Blue Sky as MittensMorgul. Or you can email me at MittensMorgul at gmail.com. And I look forward to talking to everybody again real soon. And sorry if I kind of shortchanged this episode. I don't even know how it came in on time yet. But Mr. Mittens busted some ribs and can't go to work. So I'm trying to squeeze this in in as quick amount of time. <laughs> so as not to interfere with the fact that there are other people in the house. <laughs> and I can't confine them to their rooms forever. So <laughs> I'm going to have to release them from captivity. And... Uh, shut up earlier than I'd like to. So I kind of raced through this one. So if I left anything out, I'm sure I'll throw in bonus material here later or just rant about it next week or online. I mean, I've been ranting about this show online forever, so probably do some more of that. I don't think I'm going to allow myself to feel guilty about that and risk having Osiris show up at my house later tonight. So whatever. Have a good one, everyone.